Be still and know that I am God. Choir, thank you so much. It's not often you get a chance to have the choir go before you speak. And it's uh, always such a privilege. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, choir members. What a great song. Something we should always try and remember, isn't it? And how often do we forget to be still and know that he is God? Excuse me one second. When we first started this church, um, we were at the Veterans Hall in Danville. Sometimes I think it was the oldest building in Danville or Contra Costa, greater Contra Costa County. Because it was a two-story building and we had uh, the auditorium and the stage and it was just huge. And we started with, I believe, 12 people and a few children. And uh, we started in July, and then along came the winter. <clears throat> and uh, we soon learned that they had two little old, and some of us will remember this, they were actually in houses. The young of you can marvel at this. But you had these heaters that were graded. And below them, there was a heat process, usually gas, that heated up and then it would rise out. Well, we soon learned, though there were two of those in the building, it was big. It was it was at least as big as our sanctuary. And well, the only thing between the heavens and us and the heat was a very, very old roof. Now. Thank God it didn't leak, but it did let heat out. And uh, we had invited Bill McDonald out to uh, speak. And we, as, as we do here, we have the communion service first, the breaking of bread. As soon as it was over, he maneuvered to one of the heaters and there was a guardrail and he got out of behind the guardrail and just went like this right over the heater. Like that. And he didn't move until it was time for him to speak. And I went over to him and I said, are you OK, Brother Bill? And this is how he used to look. He used to look out when he'd want to talk. I am now. <laughs> and I go, oh, the heat. Yes, the heat. How do you folks do it here? This is unbearable. Well, I I I quipped a little phrase. I said, you know, Bill, our fellowship here is so wonderful and it just warms your heart and it just warms us up. I think not. Well, the rest of the story is, um, though it was true, we had a lot of love. 
the rest of the story is when he got back to Fairhaven, the first thing he did was tell Jack Davies, who was a deacon there or an elder, elder, and Jack had been in the construction business for a long time, and he um, he said, this place is freezing, it's unbearable. If they invite me again, I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. <laughs> and so Jack called me, and he says, you ever heard of a space heater? And I said, yeah, yeah, a lot of the boatyards I call on, they have those, and they to heat up what they're repairing. He says, well, go grab one every morning and just let it rip into that place and fill it up. And that did help us some. So, but it was true, we had a lot of love. That's the kind of love you have when you're Christians. Let's just take a moment and pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come you this morning, we come to you in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it is in you, Lord Jesus, that we have our life, have our vitality, have our, um, our hope, have our future. And so we pray this morning, Lord, as we look at, at your scriptures, that you would bless this time. I personally pray that my thoughts and words would be your thoughts and words. And just touch lives this morning for your honor and your glory. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you would turn with me our text is um, found in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, verse 5. Which I'm sure is familiar to probably all of us. It's a wonderful verse. Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Amen. Amen. May God bless the reading of his scripture. As a young believer, I had a term I gave to certain verses of scripture. Um, I called them wow verses because I, they'd hit me. And I go, wow, that's really awesome. And this was one of them. There's, there's so many, and we all have our favorites. Um, but it is, to me, a wow verse. And it's, it's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there in that verse. And for a moment, let's just, let's take three words out of this verse, because the Lord seems to be emphasizing an awful lot here. He tells us many places to pray. In, in, in the Gospels, he choose, shows us how to pray. But here, he specifically is asking for total participation in the body, mind, spirit, and soul of the believer. He starts with the heart, doesn't he? The definition I found is fondness. It's, it's 
It's where we have devotion. It's where we have love, affection, like a parent for a child. It is the center of our affections, our heart, our spiritual heart. He tells us, he goes beyond that, though. He goes and says, and all of your soul. And I found this definition in the regular dictionary, which I thought was very fascinating. It just says, the principle of life, the soul is the principle of life, feeling, thought, and action in humans, regarded as the distinct entity separate from the body, and commonly held to be separate in existence from the body, the spiritual part of humans as distinct from the physical part. The spiritual part of humans, regarded as its moral aspect, or as believed to survive death and be subject to happiness or misery in the life to come based on the immortality of the soul. Go Daniel. Webster, that is. Last is might. Might is our physical Strength, but it goes even beyond that. It's not only our physical strength. It's the force that we can have behind us. It can also be used in such aspects as um, the might of the ballot box, so to speak. Three, heart, soul, and might. I think God wants us to understand this prayer very specifically because he wants our all. And the subject matter is love. How can we apply this verse to our lives? This is, this is what we need. As old Vernon McGee used to say, it's where the rubber meets the road got to have application or you'll just be a big-headed theologian and do little. You need, even theologians need to be able to apply Scripture to their lives. There's a verse that I chose from a song and I thank Brother Brian for encouraging me this morning. Because it's from the song, The Love of God. And I think the writer did a marvelous job in trying to put in words the immensity, the magnitude of our God's love that's available to us. Could the ocean with ink, excuse me, could we... With ink, the ocean fill. Think about all the oceans in the world. And were the skies of parchment made? Every sky throughout the world. Were every stock on earth a quill? A lot of those. And every man a scribe by trade. There are billions of us, aren't there? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. 
nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I was a little worried for a while that Byron was going to steal my message, but he stopped one verse. Thank you, brother. One verse uh, before he got to that one. But isn't that marvelous how the Holy Spirit works? He wants us to think about God's love today. Here's some verses how we can. 1 John 4.10. John's first epistle, chapter 4 and verse 10. It's quick. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loves us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of for our sins. He took our place, didn't he? Now, there's something very important about learning about God's love and experiencing God's love in our lives. There's one part that is very, very, very important. You cannot do this. You cannot experience it. You cannot understand it fully the way God wants you to if you're not a Christian. And by a Christian, I mean a born-again Christian. We must be saved to understand this kind of love. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. John 3.3 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you being Nicodemus at the time, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This must happen. The wonderful thing about being saved, the moment of conversion, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He gives us His love. Because the moment we're saved, that very moment we're saved, the Spirit of God indwells us. What a marvelous thing. What an awesome thing. And with it, the Spirit of God gives us the fruit of the Spirit, which contains several characteristics of God. The moment. The love here is so totally different than any other love in the world. There's actually three kinds of love. Most of you know them. The first is eros. That's a physical love between a husband and a wife. Then there's filio love, hence the word Philadelphia, hence the term. Anybody ever wonders why it's considered the city of brotherly love? It was probably a long, long, long time ago when it was the city of brotherly love. But it's a fellowship love. It's a love we have for each other. But the love God gives us is totally different. It's called agape love. 
And the fruit of the Spirit contains it, along with these other marvelous characteristics. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The moment a Christian is saved, we got it. It's ours. Never will leave. Can't leave. Once saved, always saved. One of the best definitions I've found of agape love is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. What a marvelous thing. We should all read it at least once a month. It'll help keep us on the straight and narrow. But I want to focus on verses 4 through the beginning of verse 8. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take an account a wrong (laughs) suffered. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Ooh, that's a toughie. But every Christian has that ability. Can't deny it. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is what we're given now. It's in us. It starts to show itself as we turn our lives over to Christ and let him have his way with our life. Okay? Because the Spirit of God, if you were by nature a grumpy person before you got saved, I'm not saying you can't get grumpy, but when you do, oh, all of a sudden we're miserable. Whatever it is, Because one of those characteristics is (laughs) self-control. What a setup. If you're unsaved here this morning, that's the downside. But believe me, the upside is so much more than the downside. What is the reason we really love the Lord so much when we come to Christ? For me... I can say it in one word, gratitude, because he saved me from myself. I wasn't a nice person. A quote, Lord, thank you that while I was still offensive to you, you saved me with your sacrificial love. You gave me the same courage and grace to extend to others the love that you have so graciously extended to me. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Again, gratitude. Why? For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us 
to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been forgiven. Think back for a moment. Just think back for a moment when you were saved. Just like in Pilgrim's Progress. That when we accepted Jesus Christ, when we experienced his forgiveness, that burden that just, or as they say today, that monkey that was on the back is gone. And there's a freedom, isn't there? There's a peace. It's just marvelous. Another quote, before Christ, a man loves things and uses people. After Christ, he loves people and uses things. I like that. It's so true. It's so true how our outlook changes. The care, the concern we have, the time of prayer we devote to our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers that we pray for to be rescued from themselves and from the domain of darkness and sin. On the other hand, what challenges us sometimes to struggle with the love of God? Struggle with the love God has given us. Truth be told, our greatest enemies are two in this world. Most of you have already thought of the devil, but he's only number two. Can you guess who's number one? I heard it. It's everywhere. Stop teaching them so well, Sylvia. (laughs) It is. It's our flesh. It sometimes seems like it never dies. The only way to keep it dead is every morning to reckon it dead in the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There's a story I've told in the past. Some of the newer ones may not have heard it. It's just the best doctrine in the simplest form I've ever I've ever heard. And there was a missionary who was assigned for years on the Navajo Reservation. And he learned that uh, the Navajo people were very smart, but they liked to keep things simple. And he used to get inspired on a regular basis by one Indian man who, believe it or not, was named Joe. And one day he bumped into him and he said, Joe, how are you? And Joe looked at him and he goes, Pastor, today's a good day. He says, that's great. Why is it a good day? He says, because Joe, Joe today, Joe, Joe fed the white dog. And he goes, white dog? I'm not following you. He goes, oh, Joe has two dogs in him. Joe has a white dog and Joe has a black dog. When Joe chooses to feed the black dog, it's a bad day. It's a heartache of a day. But when Joe feeds the white dog, Joe, like today, has a great day. Bam. Can it get any easier than that? That's our choice as Christians. What are we feeding every day? Another quote. He loves not Christ at all 
who doesn't love Christ above all. Let me repeat that. He loves not Christ at all, who doesn't love Christ above all. Why do some Christians get so tangled up in this present world? It breaks our hearts sometimes. Simply because the devil has convinced that, convinced them that something or someone is greater than they are. But if we stay in God's love, if we stay close to our Savior, that's not going to be our, pro- our problem. The Apostle John puts it well in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, And the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. A question that's always good to ask ourselves is, our friends... Our co-workers, our relatives, our neighbors, do they experience the love of Christ when they're around us? Do they sooner or later come up to us and say, you know, I'd just like to take a moment and talk to you. We'll choose the way they come about it. But we should have from time to time those kind of conversations with the people we know that aren't Christians. You know, some people we know that know we're Christians, they look for the smallest mistakes so they can just have a good laugh. Ah, they say they're Christians. Well, Christians are perfect. Well, we know we're not. But we have to be careful. We have to guard our testimonies. And I remember once years ago, I had a falling out with my boss because I decided I was judge and jury. My only defense is I was young and arrogant and confronted him on some things he was doing that were very, very wrong. They were illegal. But I had a job doing this. He had his job doing that. And um, using my total wisdom, I asked him to step out on the loading dock where we can talk. And so we went out there, and within seconds, his nose was about this far away from my nose. And... um, I was telling him, you know, because I'm the righteous guy here. I know right from wrong. 
that what he's doing is very, very harmful and wrong and borderline illegal. Suffice to say, it didn't go well. (laughs) It's always good to have the leading of Christ when you're going to go confront somebody. For years, I used to tell Adel as a young Christian, this person needs some help. Let's go talk with them. He'd always have the same reply. Let's pray for a while. Well, all the way I left Alameda and all the way till I got to Redwood City, I was so convinced that I'd done the right thing. But, oh, I was so lonely. And God was so silent. And so I pulled off the road and I sat there for a while and I tried to pray, couldn't pray. Pretty soon it was evident that big, big mistake. What had I done to my testimony there? What did I do to a man that wasn't a saved person? Had no understanding of, of things like I was telling him. So the very next morning I walked up to his desk never looked at me and I said, excuse me, Fred. Yeah. I want to talk to you for a minute. About what? I said, can we go back to the loading dock? You bet. And we went out there and he's just like this. And I go, Fred, yesterday? Yeah. I said, I was totally out of line. I was, I couldn't be more wrong. You're my boss. What you were doing is none of my business. As I'm talking to him, this 50,000 ton gorilla killer face just started to transform and shrink and turn pale. And by the way, I said, I just, I'm very, very sorry. Please forgive me. Will you forgive me, Fred? No, 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 no. You were right. You were right. I don't know what I was thinking. Blah, blah, blah. We had the greatest relationship for about another 12 years while I worked there. But we have to be careful of our testimony. We have to be careful of how we handle things. There's a good uh, quote here from A.P. Simpson. He says, the law of love, our our love, the law of love will keep us from doing a great many things which mere impulse would often do and will make us very careful of every word and action. Every word and action we're responsible for how we respond to people. Think again of the scripture this morning. All our heart All our soul, all our might. We're starting to understand the reason that he's explaining it this way is because it takes all of that to absorb and live God's love in our lives. Otherwise, it'll just be an intellectual thing. We'll just blow past that scripture as we're reading. But if we're sincerely and genuinely wanting what God has for us, we'll do that. When you're with the Lord, do you ever, do you ever have the sense of your own unworthiness? 
when you're praying to God, that's a good thing. Because we are. We are so unworthy. We deserve nothing. We should have gotten nothing. But God's love, as we read before, rescued us in spite of ourselves. Some more than others. We're grateful. And newsflash. Somebody told me once I have to put that in there. This is the greatest life ever. Nobody has the kind of life we have. I mean, nobody. Just in the the characteristics and the fruit of the Spirit that He gave us, gets to that wow. That was another wow verse for me, by the way. Um, He gave us His love. He gave us joy. He gave us peace. He gave us patience. And self-control and faithfulness and the rest. God's love is so powerful. And it is infectious. If we let God have His way in our lives, if we let Him manifest and grow His love in us, we become infectious to those around us. I'm sure we all have experiences with people that in the past maybe were kind of hard to get along with, you know, takes a lot of patience. We got a lot of patience, don't we? But it got to be a surrendered Christian to be able to have that patience, whatever it is. So we get to the point is, how is our relationship with Christ? How is our relationship with our Savior? How are we doing with His blessings? Are we letting Him give them to us in the fullness that He so desires? Are we loving Him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our might? Every day, we should. Every minute of every day. You say, oh, wow, now that's kind of hard. It really isn't. The devil would consider that hard. Your flesh will tell you, stop for goodness sakes. But with Christ, it's easy. And it's amazing how we can become so smart and get it and go with it. And then all of a sudden, we can become, I'm speaking for myself, so don't anybody throw anything at me. All of a sudden, we can get that quickly that dumb. Okay? That's stupid. But it's a wonderful alarm that should go off in our lives saying, okay, something's really wrong. And yell out to God, what is? He's so faithful. He'll tell us in a millisecond. Confess it, forsake it, get back on the good path of his peace and love. In closing, I just want to read three scriptures. Sorry, I've gone a little long today. First is Hebrews 24 and 25. Another one of my wow verses. Gosh, I love this verse. Because it really tells about what the church is really all about. Why we like to come here. 
what happens here, what affects others. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our fellowship, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as the day draws near. Ah, it's warm, fuzzy stuff. And the last verse I'm going to give you, skip one here. The last verse, with heads bowed, eyes closed, I want you to meditate on this one for a minute. See what it says to you now. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your might. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the life we have in you, the hope we have in you, the future we have in you. Oh, Lord, we are so blessed. Now just give us a good rest of the day. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.